the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, South Bay. This is Bob Bergman, your host, broadcasting from my office in San Jose. It's been a long, productive week for me here in San Jose, and I still have more to do tomorrow. Uh, Those of you who have been listening regularly know that I give seminars on a regular basis uh, out of my office here in San Jose. I actually have one tomorrow morning starting at 9 o'clock in my office here on Saratoga Avenue across from El Paseo de Saratoga Shopping Center. If you're interested in coming, uh, spaces are filling up quickly. I have a limit on how many people I can put in here, a limit of 12. That's um, unless people want to sit on each other's laps. That's pretty much what we have. So if you're interested, go to lawbob.com. Click on the link for the Living Trust Seminars that's at the top, or you can also see one a little further down on the homepage. Follow all the various prompts. Go to the calendar, and then you can find tomorrow's date. You can pick that date. It'll take you to Eventbrite, where you can register. Or you could go directly to Eventbrite, and search for the Living Trust Seminar. Just make sure you get mine and not a Living Trust Seminar that's being put on by some other attorney here in the Bay Area. So you go ahead and do that. Now, if you'd like to give me a call today, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you'd like a copy of my Consumer Guide to Wills Living Trust and Estate Planning, you can email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's radio at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Now, for the last several weeks, I've been going through a whole series of legal situations being faced by people around California. I uh, pull these in from a website that actually sends questions like these to me to see if I can answer them. Sometimes I answer, other times I defer to people that are more knowledgeable in that particular area. But I want to share with you some of the questions that are coming through here. Um, Some of them are very straightforward and simple. Others are more complicated and may even be more complicated than they appear when you first hear about them. First one is out of Los Angeles. Someone wanted to know, um, my friend has told me that She's including me in her will and that she's had the paperwork all done by her lawyer or estate planner or someone like that. And the only thing she requested was my full name and address. The question was, does my friend require my Social Security number in order to include me in her will? 
Well, the short answer to that question is no, although it may be useful to have that information for whoever is going to be handling that person's estate after they die uh, so that they can properly report distributions from the estate. Uh, Basically, uh, that would only be distributions of income, by the way. If something is just being left to this person, such as cash, unless it includes income as part of that cash, it's not really taxable at all. So a Social Security number should not really be needed. Now, here's a question that I know probably comes up fairly frequently. Years ago, a lot of the trusts that were drafted for married couples were what we would call an AB or ABC trust. Back 20, 25, 30 years ago, that was very common. These trusts required that at the death of the first spouse, that spouse's share of the property owned in the marriage, whether it was their half of community property owned by the marriage or any separate property that they may have brought into the marriage and kept separate, or perhaps inherited later on during the marriage, that that property would go into a bypass trust or B trust to benefit the surviving spouse for their lifetime, to provide income, perhaps principal as well, for the needs of the surviving spouse. So the surviving spouse actually had the use and benefit of the deceased spouse's property, without direct ownership of it. Now, this person asking out of Los Angeles said, uh, my wife's passed, I'm 80 years old, I'm tired, and I want to sell the house. Well, I'm not quite 80 years old, but uh, I know what it's like to be tired and want to sell the house. Haven't done it so far, but we all get tired at times. And the question was, if I sell the house, am I required to disperse the B trust share of the proceeds to the individuals listed in the trust as the ultimate beneficiaries, which is actually this person's children. It states I have the ability to invade principal for health, education, maintenance, and support. That's a pretty common standard. It's called the HEMS standard, and it's something you'll find in the Internal Revenue Regulations as an allowable way to distribute property and still provide asset protection for the bypass trust assets for the surviving spouse. Now, what's happening is this person wants to go to a senior home, but the adult children are protesting they want their cut, and they have to be paid out of the proceeds. Here's the deal. He's absolutely right. The proceeds actually go to the bypass trust, the share of the bypass trust that owned the house, If it was 50%, half the proceeds go to him, half the proceeds go to the bypass trust. But he's entitled to take those proceeds, reinvest them, generate more income for himself, even use the principal if he needs it for his health, education, maintenance, and support. And the adult children have no right to demand that they be paid out of the proceeds from the sale of the house. This is because... Quite simply, dad's still alive. Unless that trust explicitly said that if the house was sold, then the proceeds for the bypass trust had to be distributed at that time, that distribution doesn't happen until after the father passes away. So what I would tell this gentleman is that your children can demand all day long that they want their cut 
what you might want to suggest to them that if they don't leave you alone, you'll make sure they get nothing from the A portion of the trust, which is your share. And you can basically tell your children to pound sand. They're not entitled to any distribution from the bypass trust until the father has passed away. Now here, here's a situation, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of families have nosy family members. And this is one of those nosy family member situations. Uh, here it says, out of Bakersfield, My uncle was executor of my grandmother's estate four years ago. Two trusts from that estate were set up for my daughters. They're the beneficiaries, and I'm the trustee. My uncle thinks it's his business regarding what the funds have been used for in the trust for my daughters. Does he have any legal right to demand documents or information from you? Answer, absolutely not. He may have been in charge for grandma's estate, but once the trusts are set up, assets distributed into them, and now this person, apparently the father or mother, is the trustee of those trusts, it's really none of the uncle's darn business what happens after that point. His job was done when he handled grandma's estate. Once everything's distributed, it's no longer part of the estate, and he has no right to information at all. Here's another one out of Los Angeles before the break. Can a beneficiary who's not a trustee have a legal right to sue another beneficiary for a debt of the decedent? Okay, the answer is no. The only one who has the right to sue a beneficiary for a debt owed to the person that died, the person uh, who died who made the trust, is the trustee of the trust at that time. Some other beneficiary has no right to sue because they could only sue on behalf of the trust. And if you're not the trustee, you don't have any right to sue. So we're coming up on the first break of the day, and I hope you've learned some things already. Again, if you want to call 800-516-1220 or radio at lawbob.com. And after the break, we'll come back and talk about more questions and comments from around the state. So until then, talk with you after the break. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back for the second segment of our show today. I'm going to throw a couple of easy ones out here that probably come up all the time. Um, This person from Salinas wants to know, does a transfer of assets into a revocable trust negate my community property interest in those assets? In other words, if I set up a living trust with my spouse and we transfer our property into that trust... Does that mean that the community property goes away? Uh, Actually, it's probably exactly the opposite. Um, If you put if you own it as community property beforehand, putting it in the trust, unless the trust says something different, it's going to retain the community property interest. Now, on a related uh, point here, if you own property as joint tenants with your spouse and you put it into your trust, it might still retain its joint tenancy interest even though it's in the trust. It's kind of confusing. If you really intend for it to be community property, which is what I recommend because it has double the tax benefit when the first spouse dies, 
then you should probably transfer title of property from joint tenancy to community property and then put it into the trust so it's really clear. Or that can be done in one transfer as long as you have specific language on a transfer deed that does what's called a transmutation, which is to change the character of the property from joint tenancy to community property. You can also do it with a community property agreement of some kind where you and your spouse agree that this property is, in fact, community property. On a related note, if you have property that's in your individual name, you know, a bank account or something like that that is really part of the marriage, you might want to, in a trust, list that on a schedule of assets showing that it's intended to be community property. My wife and I, for example, we each have an account that's just in our name. My business account is just in my name, although my wife has signing authority on it. But beyond that, all of that's community property because it was acquired during the marriage. Now here, I'm sure I'm sure this hasn't happened to you, but I'm sure you probably know somewhere where this has happened to. Hey, I lost my living trust. Can my attorney make a new original for me with his copy? So the short answer to this is you wouldn't make a new original with a copy If you actually lose your living trust document, then the thing to do is if the attorney is still around that made it, the attorney should be able to do a restatement that basically repeats everything all over again with a new signing date. Um, So it might be like if you had the trust set up May 18th, 2018, and now it's today, um, it's in August here, and you want to have a new one made you would take the original trust with the original trust name and restate it as of the current date. That way you don't have to go back and change all of the title on assets that you may have already transferred into that original trust with that original name and date. Now here's something. Here's something. I'm sure it's amazing how many questions come up over and over and over about successor trustees kind of doing what they want without consulting with anybody, without really being aware of what their obligations are. In this case, uh, it says, Mom passed away in August 2014. So by my calculation, uh, that's four years ago as of the date of this broadcast. Successor trustee's been living in the house since then. Okay, now that tells you something right now. The successor trustee's probably one of the children may have even been living with mom, but has basically been hanging out in the house since then. And it suggests the house probably has no mortgage on it. My brother and I are in the trust to each receive 25% of the real estate. In 2016, the successor trustee took the home out of the trust with an affidavit of death without notifying either my brother or I. On title, it will show the name with a little trustee at the end. Now, let's understand what happened there. The affidavit of death was filed to remove mom's name from the title and probably to establish also that the successor trustee was now the trustee on the title. That did not take the house out of the trust. It just replaced the person in charge of the house in the trust, the successor trustee, kind of like the next president, for example. Now, He didn't have to notify anybody else who was a beneficiary. I'm just wondering why four years later 
the property hasn't been distributed out or sold or something. That's a whole separate issue. But it would show the person's name with trustee at the end. And the question was, can the successor trustees sell the property without the consent of me and my brother or without knowledge? The answer is pretty much yes, if you're the trustee. I would advise the trustee don't do something like that without getting buy-in from the beneficiaries. Make sure that they understand what's happening and that they are agreeable to it. If you have any doubts about whether they be agreeable to it, you as the trustee can always go to court and give them notice and ask the court to approve the sale of the property. So if there's any objection, they can go to court and complain to the judge about it. But the trustee pretty much has the power to deal with property of the trust uh, without telling the beneficiaries. You have to keep the beneficiaries reasonably informed about what's going on. But it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily clear everything you do with them. Yeah, let's see here. I think we may have time for maybe one more after the break here, or before the break, rather. Um, Okay. Um, All right. Here, I own a condo in San Francisco as a joint tenant with my mom. I live there. Mom lives in another state. Now, the question is, uh, let's see, actually, let's skip that one. That's a little bit too complicated for the time we have left in this segment. Um, Yeah, here we go. Um, Yeah, okay, my grandparents died. Their house is listed as a family trust. Uh, My aunt's living in the house. No one has come forward with the details of the trust. We we know there was a trust, but we don't know about how to find it or where it's details are. Well, first of all, whoever is the successor trustee is the one that's supposed to have that, and that's who you'd go to. But if no one is speaking up, one way might be to look at and get a copy of the title to the house and see if a lawyer's name is in the upper left-hand corner as the one preparing that. Uh, That's my practice. I usually put myself up there and ask that deeds and everything be returned to my office so I can make sure they were recorded, make copies of them for my records, then forward them on to my clients. So um, other than asking around to attorneys, if you have someone who's a successor trustee and they're not forthcoming, you may have to take them to court suspecting that they may be holding on to the trust and they're playing hide the trust and uh, doing that so they can stay living in the house like this aunt apparently is doing. So we're coming up on the midpoint of the show. I want to urge you, if you'd like to talk with me on the air, it's 800-516-1220. After the break, I'll be coming back with some more questions and comments from around the state. Until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I will talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back for the third segment of our show today. We've passed the far turn and we're heading for the finish line. 
but we still have a little bit of time left this afternoon together. Here's a um, question out of Vallejo, and uh, this is something that actually comes up now and then in my practice. Sometimes people want to skip a generation and leave property to uh, grandchildren or even great-grandchildren bypassing children. So here this person is asking, can I leave my home to my grandson and not my only child? Well, let me pause right here and kind of ask the question, your only child and you want to skip your only child? There's probably a lot of history behind that question. And it's the kind of thing I would I would bring out in a meeting with this person just exactly why do you want to skip your child, effectively disinherit your only child and pass it on to the generation after that. I'd make sure to put down in my notes extensively the reason for that, anticipating that the child may very well come back after the fact and challenge this decision by his parent. Well, um, the question is, uh, can you skip a generation? Yes, you can skip. Uh, in fact, here in California, here in the United States in general, you can make an estate plan that leaves your property to whoever you wish. Now, if you're married, you may have to make provision of some kind for your spouse. If your spouse has nothing, you can't give them nothing. Uh, they may have the right to what's called elect against your will or trust to get a, a share of the property in order to have something to live on. They'd have to go to court and request that the court decide how much of the property um, goes to them to take care of them and maybe even have the right to a homestead, which is the right to live in your property that you owned uh, for lifetime or for a certain time period until that uh, surviving spouse can get back on their feet. But that's kind of... Uh, that would be kind of the answer for that right there. Now here, my stepfather is trying to evict my daughter from property. Um, the property is in my dead mother's name. Her will allows the stepfather to live out his days there. And then the property is split 70-30 between my brother and I. Can my stepfather evict my daughter? Well, there's a lot of interesting questions wrapped up in that situation. If the property is still in dead mother's name, that sounds like it was her property. Um, if it was never probated at any time, then that suggests that the stepfather, and I guess this would be a granddaughter, have been living in the property for several years now, maybe as much as 11 years. The stepfather would not be able to evict the daughter at all this time unless he is somehow on the title or unless there was a trust established through the dead mother's will that appears to be or seems to be the case as it says he's allowed to live his life there. That suggests a trust is established. But if a trust was established and the stepfather is the trustee of that trust, then he'd have the right to evict anybody from the property if he has the lifetime right to live in the property. But if he's not on the title, if he's not the trustee of a trust, and it's still in the mother's deceased mother's name, no one has the right to evict anybody from the property because no one has the legal authority at this time. Now out of Berkeley, 
If I've deeded half of my real property to my daughter, do I need to file a gift tax return? I want to be able to have her be able to enjoy the proceeds of rents before my death. Okay. The answer is yes, a gift tax return would be required um, with unless the property is extremely valuable here in this here in 2018, there would be no gift tax owing. The return would say, I made this gift. Here is my some of my lifetime gift exclusion I'm using to, in effect, pay the tax on the gift, so I don't owe any money at all. But to me, the bigger issue is deeding half the property to your daughter now. What you have done is you have given away half of your income tax cost basis in the property, which means later on if she sells the property... And since it's talking about income from it, it sounds like it's a rental property. If she sells the property, she's not going to only have tax on on her share of it um, based on what the dad originally paid for it. Um, but if he's been depreciating the property for income tax purposes, she might owe tax on half of the value of the property, what's called depreciation recapture. Um, I hope this father consults with someone like me before actually doing this. If he's already done it, it's too late. He's rung the bell. The horse is bolted from the farm. Um, There's nothing you can do about it. But uh, by doing that, he's handed his daughter a significant income tax bill in the future if she goes and turns around and sells the property after her father passes away. Now, here's a question out of San Diego. It's an excellent question. How do I place a 401k plan in a living trust? Short answer, you don't. You don't for a very, very simple reason. Two, actually. Number one, a 401k plan is already being held in a trust right now. You may not realize it, but same thing with IRAs, any kind of retirement plan. If you go back and look at the paperwork that where you filled out signing up for that IRA or 401k, you know, the paperwork about the plan that you didn't bother to read, you just filled in the form, turned it in. That will tell you that your 401k plan, in fact, all retirement plans are actually held in trust for you, which means technically you don't own that the money in that plan until it's distributed out to you. Now, you would not transfer the ownership of any retirement plan into your living trust. If you did that, that is treated as a 100% distribution of the retirement plan to you, which means you'll now owe income tax on it the year you did this. If you're under 59 and a half years of age, you'll owe a 10% penalty tax on the amount distributed for early withdrawal. And you won't have a 401k plan anymore growing on a tax-free compounded basis for the rest of your life. You have blown that. This is another one of those things. If you say to the holder of the 401k, please transfer this to my trust, they'll do it for you. But then you'll also get a 1099 the following year showing that you took a 100% distribution of the plan and now you owe all the income tax on it. So moral of the story There is planning you can do for a retirement plan. 
if you want to pass it on to someone, if you want them to have the benefits of an inherited IRA, um, which is a concept. I have a whole seminar that I do now and then in my office. I also have a recorded version of the seminar at my YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman. You can go look at that there. But there's a way to pass on a retirement plan to the next generation and get the benefits of inherited IRA status without triggering a distribution of the whole plan, which is what usually happens. Okay, moving on here. Ah, here we got a good one. So here we have a situation. Grandma died died five or so years ago, left a will naming uncle, I guess his, her son, as executor, and then someone else if things couldn't be settled. Well, nothing's been settled, despite several attempts to divide the property. Uncle's also been mismanaging the trust. See, here we go. It's not a will left to trust. Uncle's the trustee, not executor. Executor's on a will, trustee on a trust. So the uncle's not following through with financial responsibilities like paying taxes on properties, mismanaging. Is there a way to remove uncle from the role to get things settled? Well, it's been five years. Um, This is in San Francisco. Uh, The answer is the beneficiaries, hopefully all of them get together. They can petition the probate court in San Francisco to request the uncle be removed and that someone else take over now so that the trust can be settled and things distributed and, uh, and everything taken care of. That is the short answer of what they should be doing. So um, there we go. I think that kind of answers that right there. Now, this one's kind of an interesting one here. If my girlfriend makes a living trust and we put a house into it, is that asset protected later if we marry, then divorce? Hmm. So girlfriend and and I bought a house together recently. We took out a loan together. Our names are on the deed. I want to make sure she's well taken care of no matter what. I want the house to be entirely her asset. In such a way that even if we marry and then divorce, it's hers alone and not part of common property. I think they mean community property. I hope putting this house into a revocable living trust that she establishes on her own is sufficient for this purpose. There's a lot of moving parts in this question. And I don't think I can get to it before the break, which is coming up in less than a minute or so. So I will just throw a few things out. We'll talk about it more after the break. The main thing here is the status is going to change if they decide to get married. And the short answer is they probably need to each own their shares in separate trusts and then make provision in those trusts to take care of each other or to end up with that result that they want. So after the break, we'll be coming back for the last segment of the show today, which will be the final stretch as we sprint for the finish line. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Please feel free to call 800-513-1220 if you'd like, excuse me, 516-1220 if you'd like to talk on the air. This is Bob Bergman. I'll be back after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW.
Hi, welcome back to the last segment of our show today. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, your San Jose estate planning attorney. Before the break, I was talking about a a couple. They were actually down in Los Angeles that bought a house together, and they took out a loan together, and both their names are on the deed. And he wants to make sure that she's taken care of, even if they subsequently marry and then divorce. He wants to make sure that the property's all hers and is not community property. So I want to know, if you put this house into a revocable living trust that she establishes on her own, is that sufficient? Well, let's start first by saying that you cannot get asset protection by setting up a revocable living trust in California and putting your own property into it. Um, He could set up a trust for his half of the property and put his half in. She puts her half in in uh, a trust that she has. And he could provide that on his death um, that that his half goes to her in an asset-protected fashion. Uh, she could not really do that, uh, except there are some asset-protected trusts you, trust you can set up here in California. But they do actually involve giving away property, maybe retaining the right to rent and occupy the property, but you'd have to rent it back. So there's really no way... Uh, uh, over to get asset protection for the whole property if they both own it. But he could do planning on his own to make sure that his half passes to her, even if they never get married, but passes in an asset-protected manner so that even if she were to get sued or something like that, at least half the proceeds of the house could be protected for her. Now, here's kind of a related one um, and again, it talks about asset protection. Here's someone who um, is mother of a child. She gave full custody to the father years ago. Um, her father, this would be grandpa, is uh, is dying right now, and he wants to leave this person an inheritance like his house and some money. But this person owes back child support to the father of her child that she gave up full custody to. The question is, when her dad passes away, can child support put a lien on his house if I inherit it? And if there's, is there anything that I can do to prevent that from happening? Well, short answer is this. There's nothing that you can do, but your father could set up an estate plan and leave the house and anything else he wants to you in an asset-protected fashion. This would be leaving the property in trust for your lifetime. In trust for your lifetime, probably in this case, if there's child support owing, with someone else in charge of the trust, a third party in charge of the trust. It could be another relative. It could be a professional trustee. And that would provide asset protection so that the house and anything else left to this person is not really subject to creditors' claims. That way, it wouldn't be taken from them because of the back child support payment. Uh, I should just explain that that um, that uh, this is something that, that can be done pretty much for anybody that you want to benefit in that way. This is the type of planning that I have done for my own children. Uh, I've done this kind of planning because 
Quite frankly, I don't trust the boys that want to marry my daughter someday, and I want to make sure their inheritance is protected in their marriage, protected from creditors' claims, protected from failed businesses, protected from malpractice claims if they become professionals. All of those things kind of figure in to the equation. I do this type of planning regularly for my clients, and if that's something you think might be useful for planning for your family, you can always call my office at 408-247-0444 or visit my website and book yourself a free estate planning consultation. You can do it right through my website. There's links there that take you into my calendar, and you can find a date and time that works best for you on my calendar, um, and then come in and see me. I'd be happy to meet with you. Here is... uh, Here is, I think, going to be the last one for the day, and it raises an issue, and this is pretty common. Um, Three siblings inherited dad's house in California. Dad's trust states that the proceeds are to be divided 40-40-20 between the siblings, and the question is, can, can one sibling buy out the share of one of the other siblings, and how is that accomplished? Well... The only real way that could be done, unless there was something like a right of first refusal written into the trust, which would be very, very rare, is that the trust would have to obtain a loan in an amount sufficient to pay cash to the sister being bought out, um, and then in return, the, uh, the other sister may be able to have that interest distributed to them. The problem here, though, is that we're not talking about one sibling buying out everybody else. There's really no practical way to buy out just one person's share. It's either you don't buy anything or you buy the whole thing. It can be done through the trust with the trustee doing it in the trust. uh, And that's the only real way to do it without triggering a reassessment of the property taxes, unless there's something called a right of first refusal actually written into the trust, giving that power ahead of time. So that's our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I urge you, um, come to my seminar tomorrow, 9 o'clock at my office in San Jose. You can go to my website and find the links to register or go to Eventbrite and look for Living Trust Seminar. Until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.